0: Thank you, Andy. You guys got anything in the world you want to change? For the longest time, I couldn't figure out why we still were using a can opener to open a can of food or vegetables or something like that. Everything else was a pop-top, you know, so they came up with that. I love double-stuffed Oreos. For a long time, I wondered, why isn't there a way to reseal this Oreo bag? And then they fixed that. Now you can open it and it seals, right? I'm still waiting for the cereal bag. Anybody else with me? It's so awkward to open. It hardly ever opens straight. And then you just have to roll it up and shove it back down in the box. So if somebody out there wants to fix that problem for me, I would sleep better. And my cereal wouldn't be as stale. But what about in the world? Are there things in the world you really would like to see different, to change? I think most of us are born with a desire to help make the world a better place, to make a change. But it can be difficult when we think about the big world. So it's like a guy who decided he wanted to help change the world. But he thought about it and he was like, I'm just one person. How am I going to change the world? So he decided, you know what, I'm going to just start with my country. But then he looked around and there's crooked politicians and special interest groups. And it was really hard to figure out how in this big system to try to make a difference. So he said, you know, I'm just going to focus on my neighborhood. His neighbors, though, when he would talk to them, kind of weren't interested, or they closed their doors, kind of urging him to go away. So he decided, you know what, I'm going to start with something that's a little more manageable. I'm going to start with my family. Instead of changing, his kids kind of got rebellious. His wife was upset with him. Things got really worse instead of better. So finally, the man decided to change himself. And when he changed himself, then he changed the world. Proving that Michael Jackson was right, that we need to start with the person in the mirror, the man in the mirror. Uh, When we think about making a difference in the world, really the person that we can affect, and oftentimes the way the world does change is when we change ourselves, when we become different or we become better. What if the best opportunity for you to make a difference in the world is for you to care about your own heart, your own spiritual condition? Uh, we're in a series in the book of Proverbs, it's called Anatomy of Wisdom. If you want to open your Bible or find it in your device, we're going to be in the book of Proverbs again, and you can find it right there in the middle of the Bible, you got Job and then Psalms, which most people are familiar with, and then the book of Proverbs. If you've been uh, following along in our reading plan, today is the 25th, so you could read chapter 25. We'd encourage you just to read whatever the date is, read that chapter. There's 31 chapters, and so we're in our second time through, if you follow us all the way through the series, and we'll go through... July 16th would be the end of reading it through that second time. But we're, we're looking at ancient wisdom for modern living. Uh, chapters 1 through 9 really do lay out this outline of what wisdom is. We're looking at one generation passing it on to the next. But this wisdom is God's wisdom. And we see a couple different ways they're doing that. Uh, one of them is wisdom is personified. Uh, we, listening to a dad talk to his son. And then the rest of the book, primarily, is these short, easily, easily memorized nuggets of wisdom, if you will, that can be taught, talked about, applied to different circumstances. Last week, we looked at the heart. That was part one. And in that, a dad said to his son, take my words to heart. And then he gave him two instructions specifically about the heart. He said, number one, above all else, the number one thing I want you to get about the heart is you need to guard your heart, protect it, keep it, because it determines the course of your life. And that word heart, as it's used there, just speaks about the real you, the inner you, where you make decisions that affect your life. And so he says that's the most important thing about you. Not your appearance, not your status in life, not your family, not where you live, not how smart you are, not how much money you have. The most important thing about you is your heart. So how is your heart today? And then he says, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding. We had the illustration of a crutch is really there. Don't lean on your own understanding to prop yourself up. But, so it really is that question, who is going to direct your life? He says, trust God with all of your heart. Seek His will in all you do, and He'll show you the path to take. Now, a lot of times that path to take, we're looking for information. God, tell me what to do. But we reminded ourselves that really the path is the path of obedience. In verse 7, He says, Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It's living God's way. Let Him be the one who directs your path. And we considered why. Why would we trust God to do that in our life? I gave you three reasons. God's will leads to benefits. Which is evidence that God is good. If God is asking us to do something, it's for our own good. And God's will leads to freedom. Which is evidence that he's the creator. He made this world. He made us. There's a certain way that it's supposed to work. And that's where true freedom is. And lastly, God's will leads to life. Which is evidence that God is our father. Not only did he create us, but in Jesus he becomes our father. That was kind of the why. In this week... In part two of the heart, I want to look at a how. How do we deal with our heart then when we know we should trust God, but yet our heart is weighed down with anxiety and worry and fear? Proverbs chapter 12, if you want to look there and read it with me. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 25 says this. Anxiety weighs down the heart. Anxiety weighs down the heart. When we say anxiety, we're speaking of worry. Or a fear of what might happen. It's a concern that crosses the line. There's a lot of things in life that we are concerned with that we should be concerned about. We need to think about. We need to plan. We need to work to change. There are legitimate things in our life and in our world we should be concerned about. There's a line there that only you will know when you cross it. Where you step over being concerned about something to being worried about something. To being anxious about it of being paralyzed by a fear of what might happen. One person said it's an extreme emotional distress caused by fear of losing something. When we're anxious about something, it can be helpful to ask, what is it that I want and what is it that I'm afraid of losing? So I want a good job so I can provide for my family. That's what I want. What are you afraid of? I'm afraid that I won't be able to provide for my family if I don't have that job. So anxiety is a fear of something that we might lose. Some of you know that my daughter Brittany, my oldest daughter down in Florida, has been pregnant with twins. And this week she had a condition called preeclampsia where the babies had high blood pressure. And so since Monday she was in the hospital and they were monitoring that. She's about 32 weeks, I believe, 33. But they were monitoring the babies and her. That was so hard for me as a grandpa to be here in Michigan. She's down in Florida. To be concerned about how those babies are going to do, how Brittany's going to do. Is this going to be a tragic situation? So I was concerned about it, and I was wrestling myself about whether I was going to worry about it or be afraid of what could happen to them. It says there the anxiety weighs us down. I was thinking weighing down of having some Uh, rocks that you got to carry or some weights that you put on but as I began to look at the word the word is actually one that means it bows you down a couple different pictures there's uh somebody who's been taken captive and they have to bow down before the king or somebody who's in mourning so the idea is that this thing that we're concerned about becomes worried to the point that it causes us to fall down on the ground and we're unable to get up it weighs us down It becomes an intolerable, crushing burden. And as I talk, some of you relate to that very well. And you've been there before. And that anxiety has been something that's overtaken you. Maybe you've had an anxiety attack. Maybe it's something that's constant in your life. So even as we talk about this this morning, I just want to acknowledge up front that there's a lot of layers to anxiety. There's some complexities that are there. And there are some times when we need help from a therapist or from a medical professional. Times when it's debilitating. And then there's different degrees of that all the way to one event happens and we're a little anxious about it. So we're not covering that gamut. We're going to talk and look at some scriptures that help us understand the core issue. But I just want you to know we recognize that there are layers and complexities to this. This is not a, hey, if you just trust God, everything will be fine. But nor is it. We just need to seek outside help. Because Jesus and Paul both give us direction about how we can deal with anxiety. I was thinking about this idea of being weighed down, and I thought about Jesus. We just looked at the Apostles' Creed and how Jesus died at the hands of Pontius Pilate. Do you remember when they asked Jesus to carry his cross or really made him? How far did Jesus make it carrying his cross? We don't know exactly, but did he make it all the way to Golgotha? That weight of the cross weighed him down. He fell down under the weight of it. And I think that's a picture of really what this phrase means. Anxiety weighs down the heart. It causes us to fall. We're unable to get up and to function the way that we need to. might be your 401k or your retirement the economy has fluctuated or maybe you've not been able to put as much into it as you'd like and now you're in your late 50s early 60s and you're concerned about am i going to have enough to take care of myself or my family we're told that there's more anxiety now in our culture than maybe ever before partly because of covid an unknown event that took place a lot of different information really the first time in history that our Our society kind of closed down. So both going through it and the way it affected uh, people who didn't get to do their regular events. Graduations were changed. Funerals that weren't able to take place until months later. Nursing homes where we had loved ones that we couldn't go and visit. Hospitals that still just recently dropped some of the protocols. That caused a lot of anxiety. Anxiety. We've just gone through graduation season. High school graduates, college graduates wondering what's next. What is it that I'm going to do for a career? What relationship should I pursue? Those are things that are legitimate concerns, but they can cross a line where it becomes we're anxious about it now. There's worry there. There's fear about what could take place. So I want to just talk about anxiety in two different ways. One, what can you do for yourself? If you are struggling with anxiety now, or you struggle with it in the future, what does God have to say about how you can deal with it? And then secondly, how can you help somebody else who's struggling with it? What is it that I can do? So first, let's talk about what you can do to help yourself. Proverbs 17.22 says this, A cheerful heart is good medicine. A cheerful heart is good medicine. So at least part of the opposite of a heart this way. Dame weighed down by anxiety is a cheerful heart so if it was that easy we would just say i'll be cheerful but that's not how it works but at least the goal is a cheerful heart and i saw a connection here to philippians chapter 4 if you want to turn over there or just listen as we go there Uh, philippians chapter 4 so in your new testament you got the gospels and then there's a bunch of books and in I A N S, these are all cities that paul had ministered in and he wrote letters back to them so the book of philippians church of philippi uh, paul writes in chapter four uh when pastor phil our lead pastor is here uh, a while back he started this thing when he walks up here to the podium to start he says rejoice in the lord always and again i say rejoice i don't know where he got that from or the idea to do that but that is a quote from philippians chapter four and verse four In the New Living Translation, it says, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say again, rejoice. And what we see there is, Paul directs us to think about joy and how we respond to things differently than I think we usually do. He gives it as a command. He tells us that we have a choice about whether we are full of joy or not. He simply says, Always be full of joy. So we do have a choice. When we think about anxiety and emotion, a lot of times we think that emotions are things that are kind of outside of us, and they affect us, and we don't have any choice in the matter. Paul says, you can choose to have joy rather than anxiety. And he's going to give us a way to bring that about in our life. You can replace anxiety with peace. It is possible, and it's a choice. How are we going to do that? Well, verse 6 says, Don't worry about anything. Now, it's interesting. Paul just simply says, don't do it. Don't worry about anything. So, again, it's a command, which simply just implies that we have a choice. There's something that we can do. So, what we're going to look at is, what can we focus on when we are struggling with anxiety? that will help lead us to peace. How do we do that? He says, pray about everything. So, don't worry about anything. But instead, pray about everything. And you might be here and you've grown up in church. Uh, my previous church, we had a joke that the answer to any question in our student ministry was either pray, read your Bible, or go to church. Any question, you can name one of those things. But that really is the core of the Christian life. And one of the basic disciplines that we're supposed to have as Christians is to pray. So I caution you at the beginning not to minimize the power and the effect that prayer can have in your life. Because Paul says, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. So will you just say those two things out loud with me? I'll say it first, and then you say it, all right? Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. So he says, instead, instead, pray about everything. So you can replace anxiety with peace through prayer. And Paul gives us two things specifically to pray about. Number one. He says, tell God what you need. Tell God what you need. Some of your other translations, you're used to the word supplication or make your request known to God. Paul just simply says, you have a God who can help you. So whatever those concerns are for you, you tell God about those and you ask him for what it is that you need. This week I wrestled with that, with Brittany and those babies. I had to keep telling myself over and over again. I need to take that to God. God, please protect the life of Brittany and of those babies. God, please give those doctors wisdom. Please watch over that situation. Be with David, her husband. Help him not to feel helpless, but to be able to trust you. And by the way, they did uh, take the babies on Friday and uh, they're healthy, 3 and 4 pounds, they're twins, uh, two baby boys. So they're in the NIC unit uh, right now and be there for a couple of weeks, but I'm thankful that that situation has turned out like that. And I've got two more uh, grandkids. So very excited about that. But that was a real battle for me this week. To be able to take those needs to God. Maybe you have a co-worker that you just don't get along with or tries to undercut you. Just somebody that annoys you. Take that to God. Ask God to help you with that. Maybe you put your house up for sale and you need a certain amount. You need somewhere else to go. After the house sells, good market to sell, not such a good market to buy. Take that to God. Ask him to meet your need. Maybe you just finished up one year of sports as a sophomore in high school. You're planning to be with the travel team this summer, and your, your goal is to make it to the team or to be a starter next year. Take that to God. Ask him to help you to be able to be a part of that team. Maybe your health is beginning to fail as you've gotten older. Maybe it involves decisions about whether to sell your home or move into a nursing home of some sort. Or you're just concerned you're losing your mobility, you're having to depend on others. Tell that to God. Ask Him to meet your need. Maybe you've got some kids grew up in the church or walked with the Lord at one time and now they've wandered. You're so concerned about their spiritual life. Paul says, take that to God. Let God be the one who helps you with that. That's what prayer is. It's asking God to help you and to give you the things that you need. When Jesus talked about worry, interesting, he did the same thing. Paul said, don't worry about anything. Jesus says, don't worry. Matthew chapter 6. just want to read through these verses, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 33, and highlight a few things. Jesus says, that's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or clothes to wear. Now, to us, that sounds kind of silly, like, I'm not worried about my food and my drink and my clothing. But in that culture, really, they sustained themselves a day or two at a time. It was an agrarian culture, very dependent upon their crops. They often didn't know where their meal was going to come from. They didn't know what clothes they were going to have to wear. So we can just fill in our blanks. What what school is my kid going to go to? I want to get into the school of choice. The one in my neighborhood isn't good. I'd like them to go to a Christian school or a public school. I need a different job. My family's growing and we're not making enough to make ends meet. My kids need friends at school. They're lonely. They feel like there's nobody else that's there with them. I've got an aunt and uncle who need to know Jesus. Whatever those needs are that we have, Jesus says, don't worry about those. But he specifically is talking about the necessities of life. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? He's just saying, whatever it is that you're concerned about and you're anxious about, is that really your whole life? Sometimes it feels like it. If I can't solve this thing right here, I I don't know what I'll do. But really, your life is so much more than that, right? It's a component of your life. Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for you. your Heavenly Father feeds them, and aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? This week I thought about that as related to those babies. Can I in all my worry make sure that they're delivered safely? Can I add one second to their life? I can't do that. Jesus says, so why worry? You can't really affect the outcome of those things. And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that they are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So Jesus is using some illustrations to say, God can handle all that. And you're so much more valuable, created in his image. If you know Jesus, you're his child god can take care of you it isn't that god doesn't care he is there and he does care and we can look around at nature to see that but again we think anxiety is this emotion out there that we can't affect jesus brings it back down to faith it's actually about trusting god because god cares for you and he is actually the only one that can affect that situation There's things that we have to be responsible and do. But ultimately, God is the one who can answer our prayers and meet our needs. So he says, don't worry about these things. Don't say, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your Heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. Wow. He says, you know who is so consumed by their needs that they fret and they worry and they're afraid? People who don't have a Heavenly Father. You have a Heavenly Father who loves you and cares about you. And can meet all of your needs. So we who know Jesus should have a different attitude. A different spirit about us. Because we have a Heavenly Father who cares. And then verse 33 says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he'll give you everything you need. So what is it that I want? I want a job that I can make enough money to care for my family. Well, what if you not having a job right now gives you opportunity to seek God's kingdom first? Are you willing to accept that? See, it's not just an emotion that's out there. There's choices that we get to make that affect our perspective about what we're experiencing. He said, the most important thing is that you seek God's kingdom first. So we're back to Proverbs. Do his will in everything that you do. So what is it that we want and what is it we're afraid of? All of that has to take second place. Instead, we need to reprioritize our life around God's will and say, if I can't get what I want, Or what I think I need, that's okay. As long as I seek first the kingdom of God. In verse 34, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. So Paul over in Philippians 4 says, here's what you do to replace anxiety with peace. You pray. And who is it that we pray to? We pray to our heavenly Father who cares for us. Peter would say over in his epistle, cast all your anxiety and your cares upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. And he already knows what we need. And he's promised that if we'll seek his kingdom, if we'll be obedient to him, then he'll take care of those needs. And I can't really affect any of those things. There was nothing that I could do. My soon-to-be wife Brenda reminded me of that as I was going through that. What could you do if you were there? I said, I just want to be there. It's so hard to be in the disc. What could you do if you were there? I only play a doctor on TV, I told her. Right? I couldn't do anything to save those babies or to save Brittany or to affect any of that. But you know who can? God can. So Paul says, pray. Ask God for the things that you need. Talk to him. And then also, pray and ask him to help you seek his kingdom first above everything else. It's really an issue of perspective. I was talking to a counselor this week and asked him about this and he said it's like two cars that are stuck in a traffic jam. Right now they're doing a lot of work around town and 96 can be backed up. Two cars stuck in the traffic on 96. One is trying to get to the hospital. There's an emergency, a medical emergency. Maybe even life and death. And they're trying to get there but the traffic is stuck. Right next to them is a car that's going to see some people that they didn't really want to go see. They're going to a family thing, and it's like, "Ah, I don't even know if I should go, but my mom said we should, and I'm glad we're stuck in traffic. I don't want to get there, right? So same event, traffic jam, different perspective. One is like, we've got to get through this. The other is, eh, doesn't matter. Anxiety is about our perspective. We all are going to go through events in life, that we need to be concerned about. But we want to prevent ourselves from going over that line where our perspective is, if I can't get what I want or what I think I need, then I'm afraid of losing something. And we take that upon ourselves. So what's causing you anxiety? We need a new perspective. We need to be able to give that over to God in prayer. God, please meet my need. And ask him to help us trust him. All right, there's a second thing. He says, be thankful, which is kind of weird in the middle of this discussion, right? Hey, I'm really stressed. There's a lot of anxiety. I'm really worried about something. Well, be thankful. Like, be thankful for what? Maybe we could call this thank therapy. Uh, Stephen Covey, uh, time management guru, uh, stood before some businessmen one time and had this uh, jar. And in it he put some big rocks. And then he said, do you guys think the jar is full? So yeah, it looks pretty full. So then he took out some pebbles and poured those in, and it filled in all the cracks. He goes like, all right, now do you think it's full? Yeah, it really looks full now. Then he pulled out some sand. He poured the sand in there, and that filled in some of the cracks. What do you think now? That's really full now. Then he pulled out some water. And he poured water into the jar, and it filled in. And now he said, is it full? I said, yes. He said, what do you think the lesson is about that? They're like, well you got to have different things and fill in all the places and try to make it take advantage of all of it. He said, no, the lesson is you better put the big rocks in first if you want them to be in the jar. And he used that to say life is all about our priorities. Oftentimes, thankfulness, we think is just kind of a secondary thing or maybe somewhere down the line or something we just do when we eat. The NIV application uh commentary said this, thankfulness is the most important activity that Christians can do. The most important. It's a big rock that needs to go into our life first. And it says that giving thanks in and of itself is a transforming practice. Transforming practice. I think Paul knew that. He said when you're focused on something and it's causing you anxiety Ask God to help you with it, but then take time to be thankful. Thankfulness refocuses our perspective. So I was thinking about the situation that I had this week with Brittany and those babies. I said, I thank God for Brittany, my oldest daughter. What a blessing she's been in my life. Thank God for David, a Christian husband who loves her and wants to be a Christian father to those babies. I thought about the time in which we live. God, thank you for hospitals and the technology that's available and those doctors and nurses that they're receiving such good care i thank god for technology the fact that i was able to communicate with her and that they could get messages to me so i could be up to date on what was going on and i thank god that he cares that he knows and that helps shift my focus to not be weighed down with anxiety it began to reshape my heart and my thinking. So Paul says, ask God for what you need. He's the only one really that can beat your needs and affect it. But then practice thankfulness. You see, it's easy to say, I trust God. Of course I trust God. And then go right back to our anxiousness. Sometimes we need practical steps. So maybe it's, I'm going to sit down and try to write out ten things that I can be thankful for today in the middle of my anxiety.'" Maybe for a more sustained effort. say, this week, every morning, I'm going to try to list three different things that I'm thankful for. So I can see that there is a God who's at work. There is a God who cares. That in the middle of these difficulties or whatever I'm focused on, there's a lot of good going on because I have a good heavenly Father. And then verse 7 says this. Then, all right, so after I pray about it, after I ask God for what I need. And then after I practice thankfulness. Then you will experience God's peace. So what happens if I don't pray. And I'm not thankful. No peace. If we want to replace anxiety with peace. Then we pray. And this type of praying. I believe is it takes time. And it takes work. This isn't just. Oh I'll say a quick prayer. And I'm out the door. This is really doing heart work. God, here's really what's on my heart. Here's really what I care about. God, I'm going to work at this at being thankful. And over time, an anxious heart can become a peaceful heart. It's like a security guard at a bank, right? He's posted outside the door to guard the bank. There's money in there. He's protecting the bank from evil on the outside robbers who want to come and take it people who would like to take advantage so there is that negative that's out there he's protecting it from but he's protecting it because something valuable is inside last week we talked about the heart and that this wisdom that's being passed on from generation to generation is to be guarded this life we have an opportunity to know god and to live for him and here it says if we'll pray ask god for what you need and then be thankful peace his peace will guard our hearts. It will protect that valuable life and wisdom that we have. So that's what you can do. That's what I can do. Simple steps. When I'm anxious, I remind myself I have a Heavenly Father who cares for me. And so I pray. Don't worry about anything, but I pray about everything. I ask God for what I need, and then I practice thankfulness. And a supernatural peace, a peace that transcends all understanding, will guard my heart and my mind and give me a peaceful heart. Now what about when somebody you know is struggling? They're going through anxious times. Well, let's just go back to Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25, as we wrap things up. Very interesting here. The first part of it says, anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. There's a role for us to play with each other. And it's a kind word or a good word. It's more a general term that speaks about encouragement or kindness or insight. I think this is coming alongside people and reminding them of what we just talked about. Helping them gain the right perspective. Not talking down. Not asking them, why do you struggle with that? I don't. Just trust God. Not that kind of stuff. Hey, remember, we've got a Heavenly Father who loves you. Hey, let's pray about that together. What can I pray about for you? What's on your heart? Helping them to be thankful. Not talking to them about removing the source of anxiety necessarily, because we can't always do that, but trying to help them gain the perspective and the courage that they need to go through it. And when we wrap this series up, I'll be back on the 16th to do that. We've got Larry and Andy are going to do a couple weeks here. We're going to talk about the tongue. And so I just want to highlight that in... Proverbs 12, 18, it says, Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. Are you the kind of person that brings healing through your words when people are struggling with anxiety? Proverbs 18, 21 says, The tongue has the power of life and of death. So what an exciting thing to have godly friends and a church family, to be part of a life group or a discipleship group. To have relationships in the body that when we are weighed down by anxiety, we can share that with people. And we can come alongside each other with a kind and encouraging word to cheer up their heart, not just about the weather or about a sports team or with a good joke, but to just come beside him as a brother or sister in Christ and say, Hey, we got a great Heavenly Father. I can't wait to see how He's going to answer this prayer and meet your needs. Be encouraged. Let me pray for you. So in Proverbs, a dad says to his son, guard your heart above everything else. Who you are on the inside, your spiritual life, that's the most important thing about you. Trust God with all of your heart. Do his will. Make that the highest goal. Man, what do I do, though, when I'm so weighed down by anxiety that I can't get up? I I just can't focus. I can't function. Replace that anxiety with peace by praying. Ask your Heavenly Father for what you need and then practice thankfulness. And what do I do for a friend who's struggling with anxiety? Come alongside and offer a good, a kind word. And so our goal this morning in looking at this is if you're struggling with anxiety or you know somebody that maybe we'd have a path forward to just live a life that's a little bit lighter. That the weight is removed a little bit. As we remember a God who... Loves us. Who gave Jesus so that we could have a relationship with him and call him father. In Matthew 6, Jesus says, if you're not a Christian, there isn't that hope. There's no one to pray to because you don't know him. And So if you don't know Jesus this morning, I just encourage you that God loves you. And he gave Jesus so that you could have forgiveness of your sins and you could know him as father. That you could go to him with your needs. But as Christians, we go to our Heavenly Father because we know that He cares. I just offer in our resource center, you could talk to Jared Schwartz more about that. There's a little devotional in there if you're struggling with that right now. It's just 30 days of knowing God's peace. Just looks at some of these verses we've talked about or other ones. That for a sustained effort or sustained time there, you could just spend a little time in God's Word focusing on how do I rearrange my life around those thoughts. Because God loves us. He doesn't want us to have to carry that weight or be weighed down by anxiety. But the pressures and concerns of everyday life affect each and every one of us at different levels. And again, if you're overwhelmed by that, please seek help and allow someone to help lead you through that process. All right, let's close in prayer. God, thank you for your word and your wisdom. Gives us direction and help for life. Our goal in Proverbs is to develop a set of practical skills based on that wisdom that allows us to live well in your world. God, for those who are here today and are weighed down by concerns, things that have crossed over into worry and doubt and fear, God, would you come alongside them and encourage them? Help them to see you more clearly that they can cast those cares upon you. Not a one-time thing that takes away everything or, or makes everything better, but a journey of day by day by day, handing those things to you, knowing you better, that you might help their anxious heart become a peaceful heart. We love you and want to live in a way that's pleasing to you. Would you help us to do that individually and as a church? And may how we go through these struggles honestly and openly, seeking to pursue you and your will, be a testimony to those who don't know Jesus about how loving and kind of a God you are that they too would want to know that Jesus. We ask this in his name. Amen.